Okay, folks, we're going to look at Lesson 9 today. Uh, we're going to focus on Exodus chapter 19 through Exodus chapter 24, verse 18. Our lesson is entitled, uh, Laws Concerning Life at Mount Sinai. And this is specifically talking about the laws that God has given to Israel for when they would occupy Canaan, the promised land, and how they needed to operate as a nation in the new land. Now, for you and I, this begins really a whole new section in the book of Exodus because, uh, you know, for the first part, it was basically narrative as far as um, the rising up of Moses, the plagues, and the leaving or the redemption out of Egypt and the destruction of the Egyptian army and even into. Uh, the journey up to Mount Sinai, the narratives concerning what has happened there. Now, we're going to kind of see really a combination of narrative and law as we see basically God giving instructions to Israel concerning how uh, they're to, to live and how they're to respond to him uh, in the wilderness, but also later on when they go to be in Canaan. And, and that's where it becomes more difficult when you start dealing with the law. In fact, as I've mentioned before, a lot of times folks will start out the new year saying they're going to read through the Bible, get through Genesis, doing fine, get through Exodus up until this point, up until about the 19th, 20th chapter, then they get right into the midst of the law and it's like, oh my goodness. And they struggle through it. But then when they hit Leviticus, boom, there goes their New Year's uh, commitment, their New Year's goal as far as reading the Bible because they're done in by the law. But we're going to look at it today and we're going to see what it is that God was saying specifically to Israel, both in the moral area as well as in their religious or spiritual life, as well as also how they were to act among each other in a civil sense, as a nation, as a community, as a society. So let's begin. Again, we're not going to read these passages. Simply, there's too much material here, but we are going to, because we're doing a survey, we're going to go through these passages and basically see uh, what we need to see from the book of Exodus. So in chapter 19, verses 1 to 25, we're going to see the preparation of the people for God's revelation. The preparation for God's revelation. So in verses 1 to 2 of chapter 19, we see that they are camped before the mountain. So three months after leaving Egypt, Israel camped before Mount Sinai. So on the plain before Mount Sinai, here comes a million Israelites, three months to the day that they leave Egypt, three months to the day, they're in front of Mount Sinai, or also known as Mount Horeb, and they're camping there. We also see then in verses 3 through 9 then, that Moses meets with God. So the Lord told the people through Moses to obey his voice and that they will be his special people. So he's basically saying, guys, I want you to listen to me. Do what I'm telling you because you will be 
my special people. And so after Moses presented God's word, I want you to notice this. After Moses presented God's word, Israel committed themselves to obey the law. Now, this is very significant because they're basically saying when they hear God say what he's saying, they're like, yes, we're going to do this. So they are committing themselves to following the Lord, to obeying his voice. So then we come to verses 10 through 15, where, again, there has to be a preparation for the receiving of God's revelation, for the receiving of the law. And so we see that here as we see the people are called to consecration. So the Lord commanded the people to spend three days consecrating themselves to God. Now notice he didn't say spend 30 minutes. He didn't say spend two hours. He don't even spend just a day. They were to spend three days. Now, why would that be significant? Why, why three days? What is it about getting ready to meet God that they need to spend three days about? Well, I want you to think for a moment about what consecration is. Consecration is the separation from sin in preparation for meeting God, in preparation for being with him. And so when you talk about dealing with sin, that's not something you just separate from within an hour or two hours or even a day, because a lot of times it takes more time as the Holy Spirit reveals that to you for seeing what it is that you need to remove from your life. So then we also see then as part of this process, because the mountain is holy, because God's presence is there, that no animal or human was permitted to touch the mountain or they would be killed. No animal or human was permitted to touch the mountain or they would be killed. So, In fact, they were only supposed to go to the mountain on a certain time. In fact, you'll notice there that the people were only to approach the mountain when they were summoned by a blast from a ram's horn. So the people couldn't go near this mountain where God was until they were signaled to by a ram's horn to go near the mountain. So then we see in verses 16 through 25, God's presence on the mountain. And I would encourage you to read these verses because they they talk about the spectacular nature and the power of a sovereign God as he shows himself on this mountain. So what we see here is that after three days of preparation, God descended in a display of power and majesty. And notice now the text tells us that only Moses and Aaron were permitted on the mountain. Only Moses and Aaron. In fact, when you read it, Moses and Aaron are the only ones who are permitted on the mountain. But even then, Moses is allowed to go even further in meeting with God. Aaron could only go up to a certain point. So then now, with all of this preparation, we see the giving of the law. And in particular, verses 1 through 21 of chapter 20 show us the revelation of the Ten Commandments or the Decalogue. And so that's what we're going to spend our time now, is we're going to spend our time here looking at each one of these laws. Now, I'm not going to read them out. I'm just going to tell you what they are and what verses correspond with them. So let's begin by looking at the Ten Commandments. 
So first of all, the first commandment, we see it in verses 1 to 3, Israel was commanded to worship the one true God and not worship other gods. So again, they're being stressed here that there's only one God, and they've seen this one God who re, who brought them out of bondage out of Egypt, who's done the miracles along the way up until the point of their coming to the mountain now. And they're supposed to worship only him and not worship any of these other gods, which are false gods, because they can't do what God has done. So that's the first commandment. The second commandment reveals something about the character of God and, again, how they should respond to him. And so we see in the second commandment, because the Lord is a jealous God, Israel was not to make gods and worship them. This is a natural response that God is a jealous God. So therefore, you can't divide your attention or your love or your adoration for any other God. So therefore, don't make them. Don't worship them. We see that in the second commandment. The third commandment goes along with the reality of who God is, his jealous nature, his demand, his his call for total devotion and worship from his people. And in the third commandment, they were not permitted to take the Lord's name in vain. They were not permitted to take the Lord's name in vain. Then we come to the fourth commandment. The people of Israel were to keep the Sabbath holy and were not permitted to work on that day. Now, let me explain to you again. When is the Sabbath? Yes, it's Saturday. Saturday is the Sabbath, but yet for years in our Christian circles, we would often refer to the Sabbath as being Sunday. No, it's not Sunday, folks. It's Saturday. Actually, it starts on the Friday evening and goes until Saturday evening. And so the Jews were to keep the Sabbath holy, and they were not permitted to work on the Sabbath. In fact, if you were to go to Israel today, you will find that everything basically shuts down on the Sabbath. Even if you were to stay in a hotel, you would see that they had Shabbat elevators. What does that mean? Well, they have elevators that there was a big controversy about elevators working on the Sabbath. So what they do is, is in these hotels, they have these elevators that just make random stops on the floors. So here you are, you're on the seventh floor, but you get on an elevator, it goes up to the ninth floor, down to the fifth, maybe up to the third or down to the third and over to the tenth before it finally gets to your floor, the seventh floor, because to go directly there would be considered work or labor. And that's because they're trying to keep the fourth commandment. Notice now the fifth commandment. The people of Israel were to honor their parents to ensure their longevity in the land. So again, now they're stressing here that God is saying to them, you honor your parents. And if you do this, you're ensuring your long life in the land when I give it to you. Sixth commandment, the people of Israel were not permitted to murder. Now, what we're talking about here is thou shall not kill, and it's not talking about the killing that's done in warfare, because we just saw that Israel was in warfare against the Amalekites. What we're talking about here is premeditated murder, murder of someone else 
that's either premeditated or even accidental, but you are not to kill, you're not to murder. Seventh commandment goes right along with that. The people of Israel were not permitted to commit adultery. They were not permitted to commit adultery. Again, the one with murder and the one with adultery, that seems to be universal in its condemnation throughout many cultures today, even primitive cultures, which goes right along with the Eighth Commandment now. The people of Israel were not permitted to steal. Stealing was forbidden. We come now to the Ninth Commandment, and this has to do with the issue of your witness or your testimony concerning your neighbor. And so the people of Israel were not permitted to bear false witness against their neighbor. It was against God's word, God's law, for you to falsely testify against your neighbor. And then finally, in the 10th commandment, the people of Israel were not permitted to covet anything belonging to their neighbor. This has to do with looking at what your neighbor has and desiring what he has. I mean, and notice now the commandment when it's given talks about everything that your neighbor has. You're not permitted in any way to covet what your neighbor has. Basically, the emphasis here is that you're to be content with what you have. And so here we have the Ten Commandments. Now, I find it very interesting that you'll meet people today and they'll say that they try to live by the Ten Commandments. But usually when you ask them what the Ten Commandments are, they really can't name them. And sometimes when they try to name them, they add to the list things that aren't in the Ten Commandments at all. It just reflects their ignorance. But I think we know from the New Testament that there's no way that anyone can keep the Ten Commandments because we're going to fail with these Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments really expose our need for something more for our salvation, and that's our need for Christ. Now, when we get to the end of chapter 20, specifically in this issue with the Decalogue, we see that there is a fear that happens among the people. And we see that in verses 18 through 20. So the people became fearful when they witnessed the presence of God on the mountain. And of course, that's a natural reaction. If you're looking at the mountain and it's dark and it's and there's lightning and thunder and earthquakes and, and you recognize this is the presence of God, yeah, you would be fearful. They were fearful. So the people... They they told Moses to speak to God for them because they were afraid that they would be killed. Notice now, this is a significant point because we're going to see this issue coming up later as we go through these first five books. They're basically fearful of the presence of God. And so they say to Moses, Moses, you be our spokesman. You speak to God because if we speak to him, he's going to kill us. That's significant because later on you're going to see that many times Moses is challenged as, hey, who's the one who made you our spokesman with God? Isn't that interesting? Now we see that Moses responds by telling them something. So Moses told them not to be afraid, but that their fear of God would keep them from sin. He tells them not to be afraid, but that their fear of God 
keeps them from sin. In fact, I would tell you to make a, a, a star by that note because here's the reality. One of the things that's going to keep us from sinning is a fear of our God. If there's no fear, there's no restraint in our lives from keep, from, that will keep us from sinning against God. And that's what Moses is stressing here. So now when we get to chapter 20, verse 22, through chapter 24, verse 11, we're going to see what's known as the book of the covenant. And specifically, in chapter 20, verse 22, through chapter 23, verse 19, we're going to see specific laws that were given concerning the daily life of an Israelite as they enter into Canaan. Now, I'm not going to go into great details. I'm just going to uh, kind of show you how this section is divided up. As we go along, I might make some specific comments, but what I want you to see is is that uh, there are certain sections that you can look for here with regards to the law. So some of these laws are spiritual laws. Some of them, though, are moral and civil laws. And so what, that's what we're going to see. So first of all, in chapter 20, verses 22 to 26, we're going to see laws concerning worship, the worship of God. Then when we get to chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, we're going to see laws concerning the care of servants. And of course, yes, they did have servants. Yes, there was slavery. But there are laws given here concerning the care of servants or slaves. Then we come to chapter 21, verses 12 through 17, and we see the laws concerning capital offenses. What do we mean by capital offenses? Well, these are offenses that are deserving of death. And specifically, there are four things that are mentioned in these verses that were required that required that the person who committed these would be put to death. And that has to do with, number one, premeditated murder. Number two, striking, that is physically striking your parents, that deserved death. Number three, kidnapping, that was definitely something that required death. And then, this is interesting, number four, cursing your parents. This is almost something that's kind of like a part of our culture. But in Moses' situation, God says that somebody who does this deserves to die. We come to chapter 21, verses 18 through 17, and now we see the laws concerning physical injury. When somebody is injured or somebody injures somebody, here are some specific laws as far as what needs to happen. Laws concerning culpable neglect. We see that in chapter 21, verses 28 through 36. We come now to chapter 22, verses 1 to 4, and we're specifically going to see here laws concerning thieves, those who steal. In chapter 22, verses 5 through 6, we see laws concerning property damage. 
In chapter 22, verses 7 through 13, we see laws concerning safe deposits. Now, this has to do with, say, let's, I go over to Joe Schmo's house and I say, hey, can you hold this ox for me? Or can you hold this piece of property for me? I'm going on a journey. And so these were laws concerning the responsibility of these safe deposits and what would happen. Let's say if the guy decided, well, I'm gone to sell my ox or sell my piece of property. So the, these are laws concerning safe deposits. We also see in chapter 22, verses 14 through 15, laws concerning borrowing. So we see even far back as these folks here, as they're traveling on their way to Canaan, they borrowed. And so these are laws concerning borrowing. We come now to chapter 22, verses 16 to 17. We see the laws concerning sexual seduction. When we get to verses 18 through 20 of chapter 22, we're going to see laws concerning idolatrous customs. And these were, again, things that required death. And specifically, there are three things that are mentioned here because of its connection to idolatrous worship to pagan worship these were requ these required these required that the person who practiced these would be put to death so the first one is witchcraft that definitely required death if an israelite partook in that bestiality yes we recognize that this is sick this is terrible and yes again this required death and then finally, we see that if you sacrifice to a foreign god, yes, again, that would be a capital offense requiring death. We come now to chapter 22, verses 21 through 27, and we see the laws concerning the care of the needy. Chapter 22, verses 28 through 31, we're going to see laws concerning reverence that is shown to God. Chapter 23, verses 1 through 9, we see the laws concerning legal justice. Chapter 23, verses 10 through 13, we see the laws concerning the Sabbaths. And then we come to chapter 23, verses 14 through 19, and we see the laws concerning the festivals, the annual feasts that would take place, and the laws concerning that. Now, when we get to chapter 23, verses 20 to 33, we see that the Lord makes a promise to Israel concerning their coming to Canaan. So the Lord comforts his people by telling them that he will send an angel before them. And we've seen that this has already taken place because we know that the angel of the Lord, because the text tells us, is in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And that was to lead the people on their journeys and to protect them. So the Lord is comforting them by, by saying, you know what, as you enter into this land, I'm going to be with you and an angel will be before you. And so they were to keep these commandments. They're told to, they are to keep these commandments when they enter the land. So this wasn't an option. They had to keep these commandments. And again, notice that God then kind of tells them, look, you either do what I tell you or you don't. If you do what I tell you, you're going to be blessed. If you don't do what I tell you, you're going to be cursed. So the Lord pronounces curses for disobedience. 
and blessings for obedience. So we're going to see that he does this several times as we go through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And all of this is a reminder to them of obedience. Then we come to chapter 24, verses 1 through 11, and we see the confirmation of the covenant. So Moses told the people all the words of God, and notice, they committed themselves to obey them. So again, Moses said, these are all the words of God, and the people say as one, we will follow these words. So notice now, that's very interesting, is it? Because we're going to see as we go through the Old Testament that they didn't follow those words. And so they experienced those curses. In fact, they experienced those curses to this day. So now we come to chapter 24, verses 12 through 18, and we see that the Lord calls for Moses in preparation for the instructions that are going to be given concerning the building of the tabernacle and the furniture therein and the establishment of the priesthood, God wants to meet with Moses. So the Lord called Moses to the mountain to receive the tablets of stone and the commands for worship. Now, what we're seeing here, what's the tablets of stone? Well, that's the 10 laws, the 10 commandments that were written on tablets of stone. And we're going to see that. So here's what we're going to see next week. Next week, we're going to look at Again, the instructions for the building of the tabernacle and everything that's therein. And then we're also going to see the establishment of the priesthood and their services. And we're going to see that next week when we get into lesson 10.